take your balloons to the next level as we delve deeper into what truly makes a professional balloon artist with your host, Zivi Kivi. Now, welcome to the Balloon Artist Podcast. Hello and welcome to Season 6, Chapter 13 of the Balloon Artist Podcast. Uh, this time, on this season, instead of having two bonus uh, podcasts on a topic that is not related to the topic of the season and then calling it like 12.5 or something like that, we've decided to just go with Chapter 13 and Chapter 14. So this is the end of the season. As you can hear, my voice is a little bit choppy. Um, it's funny how... Uh, sometimes we use our voice so much in our gigs and in our lives and this is like uh, an important asset just like our fingers when we twist our voices are also very important and I have a show today uh, to celebrate uh, an 8 year old birthday that is very important for me because it's actually the birthday of my kid Sapir and so this is an exciting day for me I'm happy to share with you an interview with Chad Johnson and his story about his other side, which is not sales. It turns out that it is actually games. Let's hear everything and see you on the other end. Hello, 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 Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. Zivi Kivi here, excited to have Chad Johnson come back to the show. Chad Johnson was on season four where he was sharing his ideas about networking. We had the privilege of meeting in Twist and Shout 17, where his highly appraised lecture about games was a great hit. And back then, I didn't really understand how big are the games in the life of Chad Johnson. When he was in Israel, Chad Johnson was filming basically a course for the Balloon Artist College, the Selling Made Easy course, who you probably already heard about it all over the Balloon Artist Facebook group. But when we were working on the course, I was like, I was sure, oh yeah, Chad Johnson's other side is sales because he's really a good salesperson and that's the way that he looks at things. But actually here in this season, season six, the other side, we talk about what affects the way that we do balloons and, and I thought it was sales for Chad Johnson. It is, he is a really good salesperson and it affects the way that he does balloons, but Apparently, he has an entirely different side in him. And that's why we came back here to the studio and we're recording this interview. Hey, Chad Johnson, how are you? Zivi, I'm doing great. Thank you so much for having me back on your show. It is an honor and I'm thrilled to be here again. Thank you for being here. And before we go into the, that other side of yours that is actually quite impressive, I really was impressed back then. Uh, when you were in Israel doing a masterclass and you told the story of, of this club that you formed. We'll get into that in a minute. But before that, can you just for the purpose of context, share with us, you know, I mentioned your class was highly appraised about games with balloons. Yeah. Can, you, can you share with us like what type of, of feedback did you get from your class? Oh, wow. Um, it was amazing. I... Um... First of all, it was my class and assisted by Nate Culpepper. So thank you so much, Nate, for that assistance. The um, class was sponsored by Vitalik. Thank you so much, Vitalik. And I all want to say that the feedback was incredible. Uh, the first piece that I got was from John Watkins, who told me that my class was actually the highest attended class in the history of Twist and Shout. We had, I think, 96 people 
in one class and 84 in the other. I think those are the numbers that he told me, which puts me on par with the highest class ever in Twist and Shout, which was amazing. Then afterwards, I went around to some, I was super honored by the people that were in my class. You were in my class, uh, Guido, um, gosh, Alberto Nava, Buster yeah. Balloons. I mean, the names just keep going on. And so I went up to these people and I asked them, you know, how did you feel about the class? Can you, any, any tips or thoughts? Um, and some of the feedback I was getting was Alberto Nava, one of my favorite. <laughs> he tells me that, Chad, there have been four or five classes that I have been to in my balloon career where after the class, I wanted to shake the instructor's hand and tell him, I'm going to use everything you just taught me blew me away. Uh, Guido told me that it was perfect. He kept waiting for something to go wrong and it never did. Uh, Buster Balloons, I actually, Buster Balloons is the only one who sent me a video testimonial. And in his video testimonial, he told me that he thought, well, actually he typed this to me outside of the video testimonial, but he told me that he felt I should stop teaching and start licensing balloons because he thinks it could be the next big thing in our industry. I, I just it. I was so honored and blown away by all these thoughts and quotes. And I, I've been there, and I have to share with you. Like even though uh, I attended the, like the late night class, and I was teaching in that convention, so I was tired from all the activities. But I had to attend this class. It was important for me. And later on, you know, I even had the privilege of joining Guy Sheffer in actually making creating a gig like that with the big balloon games. And I have to say it was a very exciting moment to be in your class because it's so visual, it's so big, it's so fun. It's fun, those games. And I really felt like there was a deep, a deep understanding of how, to, how, make, how, how you can actually make people play in ways that, that work. Um, so I understood back then in the class that you have some background with games, but I never understood how deep is your background. So give us your background with games. Well, I mean, I started as a young kid playing games. My family is a, uh, a family of gamers. And then my cousin introduced me to Dungeons and Dragons at the age of seven. And that turned into role playing for seven to 15. And then at 16, I discovered um, uh, live action gaming or LARPing as we call it. And that was huge. I went to Balticon and played LARPs with 600 people at one time. And then uh, when I was in my early 20s, I discovered uh, European style board games. The first one I was introduced to was called Catan. And that game was, is a great like starter for European style games. And now I've been, when I went to, when I moved to Austin, I ended up going out to board game clubs, board game shops and meeting with people who I would play board games with just because we would show up at the same place. But now I got invited to a private party where they would do board games. And this became a, every Wednesday night for eight years, this guy hosted a game night at his house with 40 people at it. It was awesome. I super enjoyed it. He moved to Poland. Somebody else picked up the banner and had it at their house. And then I moved to Iowa. And I, I found, my, when I moved to Iowa, my wife knew that moving to Iowa from Austin, Texas, I was going to be incredibly bored and lonely. So she looked out for things that she knew I loved and she knew gaming was one of them. So she found on meetup.com a group called Board and Gaming of Iowa City. 
I contacted the Board of Gaming people. I got in touch with them. Um, it turns out they only hosted one game night a week, and I, that wasn't enough for me. I wanted to game more, and I could never go to that event because I kept having to go back to Austin to manage my martial arts school. So I could never go to their events the first three months. I said, you know what? I'm just going to host one. I know none of you, but I'm going to host a game night at my house. It's open to everyone. Anyone can come. My first Wednesday night game night, I had eight people to show up who I'd never met before. Week two, I had 14. And week three, there were 21 people in my house who I'd never met before. And this has been going on now for five years. Week three, the owner of the site, Board and Gaming, told me that she had a baby and she was no longer interested in hosting the site and she was going to shut it down. And I said, whoa, what about charging people to be on it? And she said, ah, I don't really want to do that. I said, well, would you mind if I take it over rather than just killing it? It had about 71 members on it. She said, sure. And I did. And now we're at, we're pushing 1200 members five years later. And I would say about 20% of them have been my house. So first of all, just to emphasize, like you, people come to your house and do they like, they bring their own games? Yep. They, they, Most of them do. Do they bring some, some food or something of that sort? Yep. And there's restrictions on that because we don't want messy, sloppy food in the house. We don't want people bringing their dinner and then sitting down at the table and eating their dinner and all the trash. So we put restrictions on what exactly they can bring. But um, there for a few years, it kind of became a craft beer night too. Like I was introduced to all kinds of beer because people would bring beer in, uh, bring snacks in. Um, and every once in a while, every about twice a year, I'd say, hey, anyone who would like to, I'd love to have donations. I reckon I would suggest 20 bucks. And the first time I did that, I think we collected about $600. Uh, so the online fees on meetup.com are only $148 a year, I think. And so that was like immediately a little bit of profit. And, and that's worked. Like people have been throwing money and I actually haven't asked much lately because I've kind of got a core group now that I really enjoy playing with. But yeah, it's been a great, it's been a great experience and it got so me a lot of friends. So, so basically, it's like it's not that hard. Like you don't need to buy food for them or bring the games. No. You just need to to find people that are passionate like you about games, and they will come with the games, with the food, with the craft beer. And you probably need to clean up after that, but they can might maybe even chip in for for helping with that as well. And that game club became so big that like 1200 people do they meet anywhere else as well uh there now there are a couple other groups that meet on different nights or don't have a set night but we'll just open it up um once you get my game night my wednesday night game night kind of became a screening process for the random people who just discover us to see if we like gaming with them and if we do then we have a once a month game day where for another friend hosts it and they get the invitation into that organization so anyone who's listening to this who happens to be not invited i apologize <laughs> <laughs> but basically you like you took a passion for games that you had from childhood and you took your martial arts school you've been practicing martial arts you've been teaching martial arts you had a martial arts school so you had understanding also of of how to control kids and how to to play with them and and invent games for them. But then um, something came up. The, the, the two worlds in your life, like the balloons and the games, started to mix up and be affected from one another. So well, the, yeah, the balloons are what came up. The balloons are what came up because yeah. when Nate taught me how to do balloons, Nate Culpepper, Nate the Great, when he taught me how to do balloons, 
immediately I saw huge potential because I'd spent, like you said, 10, 12 years at that point, only about, I guess, six to eight years teaching kids martial arts and using games as an inspiring point to get them to participate better in class. And as soon as I found the balloons, I said, wow, I can make amazing, I can take those games that I've been teaching them and creating for them and make them on a large scale out of balloons. And I cycle you off in your question, I apologize. Well, basically you, you, I mean, you got to games first and then you got to do balloons. So uh, Absolutely. you've been through the, the, the journey of being a twister first as well and then becoming a decorator and then uh, also incorporated balloon games. Is that right? That's, that's exactly the path, yes. And it was games before all of that. Yeah. So I imagine that even at the phase where you were a balloon decorator, like you are a balloon decor- decorator as well now, you managed to have your game club affect the way you do balloons and the, the way you do business. Uh, can you tell us a story around that? Absolutely. Well, one example, people that would come to my game night, uh, we're in a university town. So some, a lot of them are either students or uh, faculty of the university. Based on having... The, um, these people at my house and they get to know, like, and trust me, they either the first night or within the first few game nights they attend, I'm going to talk to them a little bit about a, what they do and b what I do. And because of that, I discovered some large decor gigs at the university without, I didn't have to pitch. I just said, Hey, I do these things. They say, Hey, we hired these things. Um, I didn't even know this existed. What can you do for us? And that has become, I've, It's now close to $50,000 of sales that have directly come through my game night and getting to know people at the game night. No like trust. How much more are you going to get someone to know like trust you than coming to your house and hanging out with you doing something you both love? This reminds me the book Crush It with, by Gary Vaynerchuk and uh, he has like an updated version called Crushing It. Um, Uh, again, by Gary Vaynerchuk. And he, tells you, he, he, sh- he shares the story there of how people that are very passionate about something and they do it in a way which creates community around them uh, can actually leverage that to financial gain eventually throughout all sorts of things. And in your case, $50,000? Five-zero. $50,000. Yeah, 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 and that's, that's, a, that's a decent amount of money. That's a lot of money, actually. And $50,000 that you've created an income to your company through services, through the balloon decor services that you've provided um, because you, of your passion with games. So, so we already know that your other side, with, which is you know, loving games and having a game club, helps you in your business. But Did it actually affect, does it actually affect the way that you, uh, I don't know, maybe talk with event planners or the way that you look at an event? Absolutely. What I do is I will often lead in. I, the start, I start off by saying, I do giant interactive balloon games. And the first thing an event planner says is, they shake their head and they go, what is that? They're listening. If I were to start off by saying, I'm a balloon entertainer. I'm a balloon twister. I'm a balloon decorator. They've heard of those things before. They know what that is or they think they do, and they don't listen as clearly, many of them. When I say I do giant interactive balloon game experiences, they 
are keyed in and they are paying attention not only to the giant interactive balloon games that I do, but then they, they see me differently. They're, they, when I say balloon entertainer, they think, oh, this guy's a clown. And nothing against clowns, but in the business in America, if a business person calls you a clown, it is a derogatory statement. And therefore, if they think of you that way, they're not going to be likely to give you, they're not going to open up as much budget to you. When you, or even consider you at their event, but when you start getting changing the the way that they look at you by talking about giant interactive games, it's opened up the door to more decor sales, more entertainment sales. Everything I do is now on the table. Yeah. So you've been talking with event planners, and you got their attention from having those that games background and from you know inventing the the, the large game, the large balloons games, and. But then they basically come to you and they tell you something like, hey, we have this event and we, have, we, we need some help with entertainment. Can you come and do your balloons for us as an entertainment form? What do you think uh, will happen in the event or what are the struggles that that event planner is, is going through? Well, it really depends on the size of the event. Uh, if you're talking about a small party, you know, someone's birthday party or something like that with a small group of people, fine. Twisting is great. I'd love to do games there, but twisting would be great. But when we start talking about festivals or things with hundreds of people, there's simply no way for a balloon twister to manage to produce something for everyone. And that's what they're really hoping. They want everyone to have a great time. So when you start talking about either a balloon twister, face paint, or character artist, doesn't matter. It's, I'm going to tr- do something cool for one person. And instead, what games allow you to do is to do something super amazing for everyone because it's fun for the people that play and it's fun for the people that get to watch. Agreed, and if you're twisting, it's fun for some people to watch, but honestly, how you're going to get maybe 20 people who can see what you're doing and then everyone behind them, is unless you're up on a stage, and I don't really do shows, but unless you're up on a stage, they're going to start blocking the view and they're not going to see it. And it's not as much fun because they're not getting it. But with games, um, it allows you to handle the challenges of uh, too many people. It allows you to handle the challenge of, oh, I want this thing. You know, I want a monkey with rollerblades. And you, know, you don't get those kinds of requests because you're not doing those sorts of things. It handles your repeats. If you can get a kid through, if you can get a group of people to play these games in 30 seconds to two minutes, your line is super short. Let's say you get six to 20 people playing a game. They all get that experience and they don't have to wait in line. The line is one of the biggest challenges for balloon artists at a large event because you get all these people who are going to an event to have fun, but they get stuck in that line. And what are you going to do? You gotta, you've got to do one thing at a time. That's all you can do as an entertainer twister. Um, and then entitlement. There's a sense of entitlement that parents come to especially. And I, that more than anything irritates me. When I'm twisting, if someone's like, oh my gosh, you know, my, I've got three kids at home and they all need these three different things. I want your biggest thing. I know I'm, the line's already ending, but I need it now. And then you get all this flack for not producing it or you get stuck doing it. There's so many reasons why games, I've found games to be much more entertaining for both me and my customer that helps me talk to and upsell event planners. So I understand that providing uh, entertainment with balloons uh, is hard and you know the lines has all sorts of of hardships within them like like the, the, the those moms that wants to take eight things to their kids and all sorts of hardships uh, within you know providing entertainment with balloons in an event but I want to ask you about 
the actual experience of the people, like some of us as balloon twisters, they just, we just know how to do that. We don't know how, what else can we do. So, but, so that's what we do. We go there and we have a line of people and we, we produce all of those balloons. But what do you think is the actual experience for the people in the line? Nobody said this better than Guy Sheffer. He has a story he tells how balloons are evil. And when I heard what he said, it, it was like, you have just put into words exactly how I feel. And what he says is, here's what typically happens at events. A family is walking around an event having a very nice time. Then the child sees that there are balloons available and says, mommy, daddy, can I get into the line? These are not his direct quotes. I don't remember what exactly he said, but this is close to it. Basically, the family gets in the line and immediately their entertainment value goes down a little bit. They're not free. They're not able to go around and do fun things. They're waiting in a line. And as they're waiting in the line, perhaps the sun's hitting them. They're sweating. They're unhappy. They're, they're, it's, they're, the child gets bored because there's a long line because every child wants a balloon, pretty much. So there's this long line. They're waiting and they finally get to the front of the line and they get their balloon and pop. <laughs> and that's the, their experience. That's not everyone's experience with waiting on a line balloon, but that is a typical experience because they don't know how to handle the balloon. They drag it on the ground. They have cotton candy all over their hands. There's also a million reasons why the balloon is going to pop. That's not necessarily the balloon twister's fault, but of course, everyone around hears the balloon pop, and that balloon twisters look badly uh, at for this. Balloons are evil, says Guy Sheffer, and it's kind of funny, but. I have to say I agree and like that statement. I actually heard the, the, the balloons are evil speech from Guy Sheffer a few times because whenever you're around him, you will eventually hear the speech. And he, he basically portrays it even more like with multiple scenarios. Like let's say the kid did manage to get a balloon that he's happy. So now the happiness goes up a bit again, but then it pops. So, or another scenario is that the other kid now wants one Or another scenario is that the, the, the parent is just so frustrated already. And like all of the scenarios eventually lead to the point where the family started at this level of happiness and they ended up with less happiness. So in, in general, balloons are evil because they create less happiness in the world eventually. Um, so that right. was the speech. And don't get us wrong, like we love balloons. We think balloons are, are, are wonderful and... <laughs> And we, we even serve customers, both me and Guy Sheffer, um, with balloons. But that is the paradigm I want to change. The paradigm where event planners feel like, oh, we need something for the kids, so we're going to have a balloon artist, character artist, space painter, whatever. And it's these long lines that nobody wants to stand in. And so interactive balloon games changes that. Now there's no long lines. Everybody gets to participate. People don't get to take something home for themselves. unless you get sponsorships. So we'll get into some of those details now. We understand balloons are evil. So now explain <laughs> us the alternative. Like what are, give, give us the games versus uh, twisting uh, speech of, of Chad Johnson. Okay, well, I mean, you pretty much heard the reasoning for it, right? It's for games for as far as, okay, so the perspective is now from the entertainer himself, me, you, us. Why would we want to do this gaming rather than twisting? It's less work. You twist a few things before you get there, but you don't have to twist when you're there unless something necessary to your game pops and you have all of that available. 
Um, it is more fun, especially if you're an extrovert like me. Uh, it is twisting. Uh, like I, there's a whole list of things we already went over that are negative about twisting, where people have desires and entitlements that just don't fit with what you want. It's more profitable because I charge more for my interactive games than I do for twisting. Uh, as an example, I might charge $175 for twisting, but for my most basic games, I start at $250 an hour. So I make some extra money and I, it uses less balloons. I don't, I, I don't use as many balloons. Uh, so then higher steam. As soon as I tell people about doing giant interactive balloon games, they see me differently. And we talked about that, so I won't go into too much detail on that. But there's also a novelty factor to it. I can create a game that's based around the theme of the party or the event. I'll make it specific to them, which they love and appreciate. And more sales, because as we spoke about, once they hear about the games, they tend to also be more interested and book more about decor and twisting. Wow. So this basically almost like opens up a door for you as a balloon twister to actually sell other stuff. And if you are a balloon twister decorator like I do, uh, you know, get rid of the persona of the clown that makes balloons, the persona of, of, of just someone that can entertain. But actually, I can do much more. I can do games. I can do decor. So it gets the foot into the door and gets you through the door and gets you to talk with the decision maker about all sorts of budgets and all sorts of, of things that they can take. So speaking of budgets, can you give us some, some examples of pricing of games that you've been using? Sure. So, like I said, some of the easier games, some of my wobble games or bows and arrow games, uh, typically will start around $250 for an hour. And, and I'll base, uh, before I tell them the price, I'm going to ask them about their event. Because if they're having, let's say, a team building experience and they only have 20, 30 minutes, and I tell them it's $250 an hour, they're going to come back with, well, we're only going to use a half an hour, so is it $125? And I don't want to hear that. So first, first I'm going to say, how much time do we have? How much time do you look, are you looking to fill? And how many people do you have? Because those the things are going to affect it. How fast do you want the games to run? Is it something I can run with two players or do I need to have 10 players, which means a lot more balloons in advance? So once we get all that information, typically I'm going to charge $250 as a minimum. Um, and that is for, like I said, the most basic things. It calls about 10 minutes of setup time for me to do the balloons for it, throw it in a bag, and I can reuse those balloons for, in some cases, for weeks. So like with the giant wobbles that I do, I, I'll use them at four, five, six different game events. As long as I don't have cotton candy or something like that, it saves me a bunch of time and extra effort. Or I might send them, if, if we're playing games for kids, or if they reference, oh my God, my kids would love these, I'll let them take some of the balloons home with them. It's my, it's my option. It's not part of the package. So that's the basic price. And then when we get up to more advanced games, it can go anywhere from $1,200 to $3,000 for some of the games that you experienced at Twist and Shout um, 2017, um, like the Castle Attack game. That's a lot of building. Or even the, um, the, the game that we played was a make and break. And that's a lot of twisting as well. So for those games, we're talking thousands of dollars. Well, you know, I think people just uh, might uh, not hear this correctly. Like, this is real stuff, people. If you've been charging 75 bucks an hour or 100 bucks an hour or even 200 bucks an hour, or if you have a package like I do for 585 US dollars for a two-hour package, this is, this is like an opportunity where 
if you know how to do those games, and if you have that in your portfolio, you can pitch corporate events, you can pitch, you know, eye jumps, uh, all sorts of clubs um, that might be interested in having those games. And they can pay you, you know, anything between even 1200 to 3000 to, to even more if it's um, the right venue. And I can actually say that I've seen it in private, in personal, through a gig with Guy Sheffer. So uh, are you familiar with what he did there uh, uh, exactly? I am, and I love what he did. He took the uh, giant balloon pit, which he experienced for the first time, I believe, at my event, at my, my class in Twist and Shout. And you guys modified that into sort of a racing game. How fast can you get through the giant balloon pit? And you added some extra things to it. Um, as, as well, some other things that you did too was the show and all that stuff. And it looked awesome. It looked super fun. And you guys heard some great feedback from the mall creator or the mall uh, planner, what event planner, didn't you? Well, the mall planner made sure that the mall owner will come and see everything for himself. And he told us that he actually has tears in his eyes from being so proud of his shopping mall being, you know, at the front and being a pioneer and basically providing a lot of value to his customers. And the way that, like, he immediately started to chat about, like, brag about what happens in his shopping mall uh, as a result of him bragging with other shopping mall owners. Guy Sheffer was, you know, rebooked through his company, Ballonism. And I, as a part of his guild and a part of our guild, managed to be there for him and like support him in the process of those two events. Um, and, and basically he was rehired for another festival in another shopping mall. Now, just to reiterate the difference, uh, because the event was not so limited in time where you can control the people that come into the, the, the balloon pit and play with the large balloons and uh, control like how many how long people stay in there and stuff like that because it's a shopping mall. We wanted to make people actually enjoy some fun in this uh, balloon maze and go and do some shopping and maybe have the feel and the urge to come and play again in the balloon maze another day so that people will come and pay more money in the shopping mall again and again. They go inside the, the maze for free because we are being paid by the shopping mall but it just creates this feeling of, hey, you liked it, right? Come again tomorrow. We're still here. So that was one aspect of it. And I personally brought my kids to the, to the festival in the shopping mall and had the, you know, I, they're my kids. I make, made sure they have a few minutes before the, the, the maze was open. They had special hours for when the maze is open. So they had access to the maze before all the people can come and go inside too. And let me tell you, they wouldn't be able to stop. They just ran through the maze and ran through the maze again and ran through the maze again. And every time they will come to me and say, Daddy, can I do it again? Can I do it again? They just loved it. And uh, we have added some, some balloon decor, like all sorts of, of uh, 646 topiaries and all sorts of decor to make it a little bit like it is... Um, um, under the sea theme. So it's a yeah. game maze with a theme for under the sea and it was an, a, an amazing experience. 
which also helped you guys control the three foot rounds. I saw you had a star shaped uh, entrance, which would help the balloons not coming out and having those large topiaries sitting there will stop the three foot rounds from getting out too, which is one of the challenges with the giant balloon. It's a challenge and a benefit of the giant balloon pit because when people, kids are in there playing with the balloons, adults often won't go in. I don't know if you experienced that in the maze as well, but adults typically don't go in if there's a lot of kids there. But if the walls are shorter and the balloons can get out and you don't have laser detected smoke detectors or anything like that in the room and they can get out, it gives the opportunity for the parents to hit them back in, which I thought was a negative, actually is a positive because the parents are now interacting with their kids in a safe, fun way. And uh, in our case, we actually forced the parent to go in. So we didn't allow a kid to go in with no parent. Okay. This way, we made sure that the parent has some fun too. That's great. Um, and because, uh, you know, Guy always makes sure all the details are, are precise. So he actually had like an, a young actor. He didn't do, know anything about balloons, but he was nice and attractive looking in his costume, basically like dressed like something like a pirate and he will stand inside and make sure that the kids continue to walk because some of them will stay and just have fun. Yeah, of so course. That, that was uh, also one of, of the details that uh, he made sure that happened. So really, really the games, you can take them, the ideas of how to do the games and make them your own, tailor it to your own customer and uh, for sure, this was one of the success stories of of your class, and guy did and make it his own style of game uh, with his maze, and that's really fun. Do you have any other pros and cons that you see around doing the games? We didn't really talk about cons, so this is a great point to bring up two things that I think are potential cons of selling and running balloon games. Because let's be honest, there are always positives and negatives. One is the safety challenge. I've had 12 years of teaching a martial arts school and running games with kids running around smashing into each other. So I'm really attuned to seeing potential dangers and fixing it before it would ever become a reality. So that is something that is really critical. So if you go onto my website or if you go to theballoongames.com or even on my IC Balloons page, you're going to find some pictures, some videos of games. If you try and run them without knowing what I've done to make them extra safe, there's a chance that you're going to have some issues with that. So um, safety is an issue. And then the other thing that I've found, which is super frustrating. I had some. I had one recurring gig that was at a school where I I got into the games and I wanted to do games at their event. I knew the games would be perfect for the event, and I sold games like nobody's business. I mean, they were hooked. This woman wanted the games at her session. I even had sponsors that were going to help pay for some of it. It was going to be amazing. Unfortunately, she wasn't the decision maker. She had the permission to have me come in and twist but she did not have permission to run games or to allow me to bring in outside sponsors to the school. So when the principal heard what I proposed, the principal was like, you know what? We're not doing any of this. And I actually lost the gig because I sold the games so well. What it turned into was um, once I sold them on the games, that's all they wanted. They no longer wanted the twisting. They wanted the games, but they couldn't afford them. 
and they weren't allowed to have the sponsors, so they cut it off, and I actually lost one gig to that, which irritates me. <laughs> Be careful about selling the games so strongly that people no longer want twisting. I, I want to add on to this, like another con, which is that you need to know what you're doing with logistics. So if yeah. you are a balloon twister and you only do touch balloons and inflators and cutters and maybe an occasional Sharpie or, or sticker, maybe some tool if you're like more advanced, then that's fun. It's all materials that you know and that you trust and that you love. But when it comes to games, you need to be a little bit more of the balloon decorator where you touch some, some nets and some uh, weights and that you, you know, are responsible in a way where no one will actually knock out the entire operation uh, because they, I don't know, just decided to go through the net or something. And so, so yes, there are, there are some, some other cons. We were afraid back in the shopping mall that people will steal the balloons or pop the balloons. Right. Because uh, especially if, you, if no one is there to, to guard the balloons, we were there, but we were afraid. And basically the shopping mall was afraid too. But uh, that didn't happen. Like maybe one out of like three or four days, one time a kid will try to take the balloon outside, but immediately once he we said we need the balloon back, he, he understood and gave it back. So, and we, we did one more thing, which was at the end of the, of, the, of the entire festival, it was like a balloon festival by Ballonism, in a, at the end of it, we threw away all of the balloons like into the, this big hall in the shopping mall where people were waiting for like the end of a show. And then they suddenly get this huge gift, which is to take back home a three-footer. So that was also some, one of the things that you mentioned as a possibility in your lecture. And we decided, you know, we can pop them, but giving them away and making the people, you know, because those balloons, they can last at the home of, of, of a shopping mall visitor for like for weeks, mm -hmm. right? For weeks. That's true. It will be there. And, and they will remember the fun times and they will play with it and stuff like that. Uh, so, so, yeah, you, you need to take sh make sure you have insurance, isn't it? It's really important. Oh, yes. like, oh, yeah. Well, that's, that's important if you're an entertainer at all. You should always have insurance. That's true. That's true. But if you are doing the games, again, because you're talking about people can actually take those big balloons and they can throw it in on, on some ceiling that has, I don't know, if the ceiling has something on like a chandelier or something. I don't know. Like right. things can eventually break with those big balloons and you should make sure that you go, even just for the purpose of being fair uh, with your event planner or customer and make sure they know you have a good insurance. Uh, and often, uh, oftentimes the event planner will ask you, in my situation, the event planners will ask you for a copy of your insurance. So you want to have a good amount of liability insurance as an entertainer, period, but certainly if you're running games. May I ask how, how big is your liability insurance? I have a $2 million uh, wow. liability. I think it's wow. $1 million. Uh, maybe, I think, yeah, I don't remember what the minimum, or the maximum per incident, but I think it's an annual $2 million policy. Cool. 
Um, I'm asking because, of course, it's very different between countries and countries, and we have right. listeners from Australia, and so all of the numbers that we're talking in U.S. dollars, you need to do the math and see what works for you. You know, here in Israel, a one million shekels, you know, the new Israeli shekel, uh, uh, as, as, a, as a policy, is the, 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 the amount that usually is expected of you to have, and that's like $250,000. So it's really different. But again, we have uh, free medical uh, um, services. So there's a lot of differences. So you can't really compare. You probably don't have as litigious a society as America is. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about what tools do you use? Because we talked about how a, a, a balloon entertainer, a balloon twister, they know their, their palette, they know their balloons, they know they have a few chrome balloons or some grayish, I don't know. They're really happy about the shiny balloons, but they, 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 they want to go into games. So what type of tools do you need in order to go into games? The balloons I typically use, first of all, are Linkaloons. I'll use a 6-inch and a 12-inch Linkaloon or 11. I'm always confused which size is right. But it's, it's the large and the small Linkaloon. And then I will use uh, rounds. I'll use 260s, 360s. Those are pr- and three-foot rounds. Those are the, the balloons that best translate into the games. But then, uh, like you said, I'm going to use a lot of my decorator background for larger events. Now, for smaller things, that's all I need. The stuff I just listed and water. Because uh, I'll use, I'll put water inside of a, a small linking balloon, and then attach it to this larger linking balloon, and that is my wobble. The, it's a air, water inside of an air balloon. Then, if we're going to be talking about larger things like the balloon pit, then we're going to be talking about uh, base plates and piping, and or yeah, so EMT or uh, PVC or um, the new pipes that Gary Ledbetter put out, which is ama- which are amazing. I love those things. And then the netting, whatever kind of netting you use. I use, uh, gosh, what is it? It's deer netting, but that's because I had it. But I really love what Guy used. Like, I, I need to ask him where he got that because that stuff was great. It's prettier. You can still see through it. You're not going to take pictures through it as much, but it's, it's prettier. So I like what he did with the, the netting side of that. Um, let's see, what else do I use? Uh, I'll use wind. I'll use um, leaf blowers and I'll use uh, helium. I'll use uh, uh, floor sweepers. Uh, it depends on the game. It really depends on the game. How many games do you have? Uh, I mean, l- limitless. Here's, it's like, that's like asking a balloon twister, how many creations can you do? Next. Because... Yeah, Go ahead. That, that's really fair. Uh, so I will ask differently. Uh, how, how many very popular games, commercial games do you have? Uh, I'd say about 70 that I've run and been paid for that are had a successful uh, with the biggest, easiest, most, well, not the easiest, but the biggest and most fun experience being the giant balloon pit, which is far and away one of my favorite things to do because it's always a hit and uh it's super easy wow uh, can you describe the different types of games at least because we're not going to be able to go through 70 different commercial what? games what? we don't have five hours Zibby? there's a different place and time for that we'll, we can talk about that later but what what type of games do you have um a lot of them come from my 
board game experience. So a lot of them are like dexterity-based board games that I took the rules or mechanics from board game and converted them into balloons. So dexterity, I use chance, especially for young kids. I don't want to have something that's just dexterity. I need to make it chance related. Otherwise, kids that are not as um, physically gifted are going to have more challenge and feel good, bad about themselves, which I don't want. So wobbles are great for that. Uh, I do free play, which is just, hey, you know what? This is, this is, these are the balloons you create your own event in it that you want. And maybe I'll give them some, a little bit of structure, like uh, keep the balloons off the ground, go, 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 whatever. Um, scavenger hunts, races, role-playing games, strictly humor. We're going to be some silly, do, just do some something silly. Uh, Adult-based games I've been asked to do for like uh, bachelor, bachelorette parties or at a bar. Constructive games where we're building things. Destructive games where we're destroying things. And even empire building games like where you have to level up to get the new achievements i just feel like i want to not do games i just want to play games uh, <laughs> those games and i've seen some of them in your lecture and i know of some other of them uh, from talking with you and th those games are, are phenomenal and there is a place and a time for you to learn how to do those games now i i want to say in advance Chad Johnson, uh, you know, I was impressed to begin with, but when we worked together on creating Selling Made Easy, which is available publicly on balloonartistcollege.com, um, when we set up on a journey to make this, you know, this, this uh, art form or skill or science of being better at sales and make that skill accessible for balloon people all over the place like no matter if you're a balloon decorator or a balloon twister or a balloon entertainer and you want to improve the sales of your company there is a way to do it to structure it to understand how you can do cold calls and how you can do networking well and how you can incorporate stories into your everything into your life and i, I personally learned a lot from working with you around the, the, those topics. And I always saw while we were working how thorough you are and how generous you are with, in regards to sharing information. You really, do, uh, you really do do your researches and this is something that you can see you know, on SME, on Selling Made Easy. But you're actually working on releasing something for the balloon community around games and basically leveraging years and years of of learning games and of developing games and lately uh, for, for a few years now of you making money from selling games balloon games that is so can you share with us what it is that people like what people need to do to learn more about games and really go into it you know, in a way that could actually work for them because they hear the idea here, they understood it, maybe they heard it before, it's okay, but it's it's a little bit trickier than that, isn't it? There's like a lot of bits of pieces of information that can go into knowing like a, a full portfolio of 70 games. So what is it? How can they do it? How can well, you help? How can sure. you help? How, How can, can I help? Yeah. The easiest way I can help you for people who want to be interested in doing this sort of thing is going to theballoongames.com, the balloon 
games.com. If you go there, you're going to see it's a beta test that we're doing for the balloongames.com where you're going to start to learn a whole bunch about what I do, what I don't do, or what I did do and learned was wrong, and how to be successful and to make money. Um, and the cool thing, as you referenced SME with the sales selling made easy, is that I teach in that class, I teach everything and I talk about hooks, but I don't tell about the games that I use as hooks to get people to pay attention. So if you take both of these classes, Selling Made Easy, um, and you come to my balloongames.com, you're gonna get the hook that I'm talking about in Selling Made Easy, which will get people to pay attention and listen to you, and you'll be able to do it. Super fun, very profitable, you're gonna love it. You know, I almost want to say like, people don't even need the Selling Made Easy course to enjoy the balloongame.com because Many times those games, they sell themselves. And I, I've had that experience, you know, with Guy Sheffer and with, he, with the Balloon Maze that people get really excited about this game. So you will, learn, <clears throat> you will learn how to create the same level of excitement with the people around you. And yes, of course, if you want to charge higher fees and you want to sell other services and maybe some balloon decor or maybe some balloon twisting, or whatnot, the selling made easy will help you with that. But the games, the balloongames.com uh, is, you know, just a place where you'll get uh, um, into a community of people that are going through the journey of adding this new income vector into their life, into their business, this fun activity with games and with balloons that can actually change the world. It can change The, instead of uh, having balloons as an evil thing that you know <laughs> makes people stand in lines, uh, it will be something that makes people walk in teams and make people's make people feel empowered and that actually makes people move. Like I can, I, I really feel like this is almost the difference between watching TV and walking outside in nature and having fun some with some activity for people. We. As, as a human, the humankind, we, we are too much in front of TVs and, and become, became, become big and, and slow. And we can go there and have some fun and use our minds and use our bodies. And, you know, there's so many good values in the balloon games. You know, I've got a story for you I didn't tell you yet. It just came to mind when you were talking about this. Every year I have a very large, it's one of my largest events uh, in my Iowa City area. And it involves a whole bunch of three-foot rounds in a ceiling treatment. So last year, I injured myself two weeks before that gig. And so when I tore this stuff down and cut off all the three-foot rounds, I had about 150 three-foot rounds just laying around on the floor. And I'd collected all of the hardware that was supporting them. Bending over hurt because I had torn a, a muscle. I torn a, a ligament. I tore something in my foot. And bending over hurt. So I thought, how can I avoid having to pick up the scraps from 153 foot rounds over a giant convention center? What I did was I walked down the hallway and within one minute, I discovered six girls who were just standing around talking. And I said, would you guys like to do something super fun that you've never seen before? And they said, yeah. And I said, come with me. And I just turned around and they followed me. And while we're going down the hall, I'm like, okay, you three are the yellow team. 
you three the black team as we're walking towards this room i said do you see those giant balloons out there and they're like yeah are we gonna pop them i said yep and we're gonna time it and we're gonna see who wins and so you're the black team you're the yellow team when i say go you're gonna try and pop them as fast as you can but you don't just pop them in order to win you have to pick up all the pieces and throw them into the trash ready go and they ran out and popped they had finished my job in six minutes Six minutes, the whole place was cleaned up. They were breathless. And I took a video of this. That video has over has just about 30,000 views. Wow. 30,000 views on this YouTube video. And they had the time of their life. And it turns out they were with um, Dance Dance Revolution, some dance, oh, dance marathon. They were already associated with that. So they got me inside of another group that... Um, that is considering using my services for their next event. So it is, it was a super fun thing that cut off the time that I had to do to do my work. It basically did my work for me. I didn't have to pay them. They loved it. So that's one story of how I can turn anything into a game. Do you have uh, that video available for us to put in the show notes? Sure. I do. Yeah. I'm happy to share a link with you. Cool. So guys, if you're listening to this, Uh, go to the balloonartistpodcast.com website and you could find the, uh, the show notes and the link with the video. The link to the balloon games will be there just in case you didn't manage to type the balloongames.com, which is easy. But if you want to see the link, you'll see it there. You'll see uh, the video and uh, maybe a, a picture of, of the wobbly, wobbly thingy because uh, I really want... Uh, It's to be visual for people. So if you didn't understand exactly how a wobbly thing looks like, we'll put a picture of that as well. Chad Johnson, it's always such a pleasure to have you in this show. Thank you so much for all that you do to educate people all around the world. And anything, any, any last words? Zibi, as always, thank you so much for having me. It is an honor to be part of your stuff that you do. And it's you... I'm, I got to plug you too, man. MAPC. If you are not currently a MAPC member, Modern Automated Balloon Business Course, you need to get on that because what Zibby does is outstanding and for the price, it is just incredible. So Zibby, thank you for what you do. Thank you for what you bring to the balloon industry. And thank you again for having me on your show. Thank you so much. I'm blushing here, but seriously, it's not about us. It's about you guys driving the car to a gig right now. You need to stop over and just go to theballoongames.com and understand there is a place for you to get into something big that can affect the way that you do balloons forever. With that said, thank you, Chad Johnson, and see you guys next week on the Balloon Artist Podcast. Wow, I think this is going to be an episode that people will listen a few times to and really appreciate. Um, if you enjoyed this episode, please share this information with a friend by uh, sending him the link to balloonartistpodcast.com. Next week is the last episode of the season. See you guys on the Balloon Artist Podcast end of season six episode next week. Hello, Balloon Artist Podcast Nation. This is Zivi Kivi, season six, chapter 13, the tip section. And today I want to 
give a tip that is related actually to uh, productivity. And I've shared a lot of tips about productivity in this season. I also did a lecture for Balloon Artist College for our members about productivity tools. And I have missed one of the most important tools that I'm going to share right now. So what happens is this tool will help anyone that listens. However, for those that actually listened for the entire uh, productivity uh, tips lecture in Balloon Artist College, uh, in the membership, uh, for them it would be like the most beneficial tip because if they do, if you do everything that is underlying that last principle, then you'll get the most out of your day. And the tip here is to decide every week about a weekly focus. So this is one thing, it's not six things, it's one thing that you actually had probably in your list. However, it wasn't urgent. So this is really important. You are not going to choose something that is urgent. You're, not going, you're going to choose something that is important for you or for your business. And you're going to make that non-urgent issue an urgency. You're going to complete that within that week. So that weekly focus is going to be on top of your daily tasks. It's going to be something that leads you through the weekly anchors and through your calendar and so on. And then um, you will get the most out of your week by having uh, a, a bit of a bird's view on this one big important thing that is not urgent, that becomes urgent, and that you do um, in your business, in your life. Um, guys, the Balloon Artist College membership is available for you. It has a new vault of courses. We already have uh, the Matt Falloon experience with all of the Matt Falloon uh, um, trainings that he ever published all in one course on Balloon Artist College and you can buy it for a reasonable fee or just get it for free as a Balloon Artist College member. And we have other courses by Anthony Lina and Pookie, uh, Lindsay Foster and by Cody Williams and we're working on additional courses. We will have seven of them by the end of June or so. So a Balloon Artist College membership grows in terms of what you get. And the, this is really exciting stuff. I hope you are enjoying the show. Next week is the last episode of the season, the last chapter, as I call them. And see you guys next week. Final request. Guys, I need your help. Would you be so kind and spread the word about Balloon Artist Podcast? Just send a link to a friend or on a Facebook group. Just say, I support BalloonArtistPodcast.com or I enjoy it, or it brings me value. This is really important. Thank you so much.